welcome to the Better World Leaders podcast. Here, we invite you to explore conversations with people who are co-creating, regenerating, reimagining, and re-enlivening ways of knowing, doing, and being across our diverse array of areas of great change and profound transformation. One thing unites them all. They are all Better World Leaders. Welcome to Better World Leaders and to our continuing exploration of frameworks. And this conversation is with someone that I've been witnessing and really joyful in witnessing the the messages and the way that that he is in the world uh, for quite a while. And and then I reached out and invited him to come and co-create a conversation here and mentioned a couple of the other people that if you've been following this season, you've already heard, specifically Carol Sanford and Paul Hawken. And they said, well, those are two of my greatest mentors, so I'd be honoured to co-create a conversation in the same you know, sort of space that they have. So this conversation with Curtis Ogburn contains no less than four frameworks, one of which emerged in the intermission between the two conversations that form the one episode that you're going to listen to. So this really is go and get your pen and paper. If you're looking at the amount of time on the episode here, and that's a deterrent, you can scroll down. There are in the show notes some time markers that you can shuffle on to if you want to get straight to the frameworks bit. And I implore you, if you can resist, to not do that. Because as a whole, this conversation is beautiful. So if you can, I really encourage you to open up the time and space for it and really immerse yourself in the conversation between me and Curtis. Curtis Ogburn, welcome to the Better World Leaders podcast. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Yeah, it really is great. And, you know, for me to see you, uh, yeah, as, as we have our, we have our videos running, um, and yeah, you know, it's been, a, it's been only a couple of attempts, but we've got there. Uh, so yeah, really wonderful. Now we're going to begin, um, with a, with a grounding exercise, which, which we've just, uh, sort of, um, you know, sort of had, had a had a, cho- a choice based invitation to 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 include in our broadcast. So, you know, the invitation to you to introduce this, and then we'll we'll get into it. Wonderful. Well, thanks again for the invitation and the patience. Uh, you know, around getting to this point uh, to actual actual recording. Um, yeah, and thank you for very much for the invitation to uh, offer this um, grounding grounding exercise, which I've inherited from the respectful confrontation slash fear civility community of which I've been a part uh, and, and involved in their teacher training. And so I want to you know, give a, a, a shout out of gratitude to Joe Weston, my teacher and the entire community. This is something that we do in one form or another to, um, to, to ground ourselves, to focus ourselves. Um, and really the invitation is to pay attention to what's going on inside of us, between us and around us. So if you will, um, I'll invite you to, uh, if you're seated, you can do this uh, from a chair, I'm standing. And so uh, we do what's called either power sit or power stand. And so this is about making sure that our spine is uh, straight without being too rigid. And with this string, perhaps imaginary string, holding our heads up, but not too, again, not too tightly, letting our chin come down a little bit. Bending our knees if we're standing, which I am, uh, and then feeling our feet firmly 
on the floor and really noticing our contact points on the floor. So I have socks on, no shoes, just paying attention to how the floor meets my feet. And then if we're seated, paying attention to our sit bones or whatever is uh, touching the seat, whether it's the seat, uh, the bottom or, you know, the back. And just paying attention to how that holds us, supports us. And then the invitation is to pay attention to what we call our center, our energetic center, which is this point about three inches below our navels, our belly button. So you can actually take roughly three fingers width and find that point below your belly button and, and breathe into that spot. Take a deep breath in and feel your abdomen expanding and your torso as you do that and then releasing through your mouth, continuing to pay attention to those contact points. Now breathing into your center through your nose, now through your mouth. And then it's a choice whether you'd like to close your eyes or soften your gaze or find a point in front of you that you can sort of lightly focus, um, focus on on the floor. Continuing to breathe into your center. Now just tune into your body. Tune into whatever sensations may be happening. Could be sensations of cold or hot, itches, twitches, tickles, just paying attention as you continue to breathe into your center, not labeling any of these things, but just noticing them. Notice how they might come and go. As you continue to breathe into your center now, tuning into any emotions. In our community practice, we call emotions energy in motion. So what energies, what feelings are coming up? One, a few. And again, not trying to pin them down or chase them away. Just notice how they exist, how they move, how they shift. Now continuing to breathe into our center, in through our nose, out through our mouth. Pay attention to any thoughts you may be having. One thought, many thoughts. And again, not getting caught up in them and in interpreting or judging. Maybe noticing the texture of your thoughts, the quality of your thoughts. Now continuing to breathe in, into your center and out through your mouth. Bring your awareness to your immediate surroundings, whether you're outside or in, even with eyes closed, become aware of objects in your vicinity, other living beings, and just notice how they might be influencing you or you might be influencing them. Bringing that awareness to your surroundings, breathing in, through your center and out through your mouth. And from your immediate surroundings, now becoming aware of your partner in this conversation, 
become aware of our presence with one another. Breathing in and continuing to breathe out, become aware of even how in this two-dimensional, uh, not Zoom, but Zencaster space, we might be influencing one another. Take another breath into your center, out through your mouth, and now bring your awareness back inside your body. And just do a quick survey, thoughts, emotions, sensations. Just notice if anything has shifted. Now one more breath in to your center. Out through your mouth. Feel yourself sinking into that chair. Again, your feet. Power of your stance or your sit. And when you're ready, open your eyes, bring your gaze back to the screen. Thank you. Thank you. That was quite beautiful. Thank you, Western Network. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful. I think, you know, the many ways that, um, you know, that these practices unfold for us, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, d d for many folk, I, I, I won't say most folk, I, I don't know, you know, the folk that listen to this yet. Um, personally, not all of them anyway. And, um, yeah, I, I anticipate that for some, there'll be some familiarity in that mm -hmm. and there'll be something that's new. Um, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I think that this is this is where the beauty in, in these things really shows up for me. You know, there is there is sameness and there is difference. Um, you know, there's definitely a relativity in that practice, mm -hmm. um, and there's some things that I don't think I've ever heard before. Uh, mm. you know, some of the specific prompts, uh, mm. yeah, were really lovely. So, uh, no, what a wonderful way to you know converge together to to intertwine our energies in this dialogue. Um, and yes, in this you know kind of bizarre illusion the, <laughs> of the digiverse that, that we sit you know in this particular yeah zencaster version of today um absolutely you know we we, we can have a you know an influence and an impact on one another and uh, absolutely. And, and, and absolutely and be together in an interesting way <laughs> and, and look i mean as, as somebody who's you know really right now um you know being called more and more towards place-based work I also really recognize the gift that this is, mm. um, you know, and, and a way, you know, to, um, you know, tune in and to, uh, be, um, you know, and, and to offer and invite and receive in a way which, yeah, depending on your cosmic alignment, you could contend we've always been, uh, and, and maybe now it's more accessible. Um, so, you know, We'll have that conversation on another day. Yes, no, it sounds good. Love, love to go there. Absolutely. As well as our interpretive mime, do you mind if I just quickly share this little bit of frivolity that we had as we were coming please. on? Yeah, please go ahead. We're not going to do it today. Uh, well, I don't know. We'll see how the energy flows. But yeah, Curtis and I were uh, sort of exploring the, uh, as we were debating whether or not to capture the video uh, for this, which before you immediately jumped to YouTube, we did not. Um so sorry about that. You'll just have to listen to our dulcet tones. Um, but we, we were kind of playfully you know, sort of exploring, well, what if we didn't even talk? <laughs> what, if, what if we did a recording of an interpretive mime of this conversation and what might show up? So 
we'll see whether that's offered to the world at any point in the, in the future. Yes. I, how many people would stay for that? I wonder. Uh, <laughs> I imagine some, but uh, yes, maybe in this uh, go, go, go society. I don't know. I don't know. Which yeah, might, might, there might the be a niche audience. Okay, so uh, welcome to the dialogue now. Uh, we will shift energetically somewhat into you know, what podcasting normally is about, uh, mm. you know, people, people talking about things. So first of all, uh, uh, yeah, sort of as is, as is our way, uh, I, I'd love to invite you to introduce yourself uh, in, in whatever form uh, you would like to do, you know, sort of place yourself you know, sort of, uh, energetically uh, you know, sort of in you know, our, our sort of planetary sphere, and then we can move into the, our specific dialogue today about, about frameworks for change. Wonderful. Well, uh, sure. So geographically, I'll, I'll, I'll place myself on the ancestral lands of the Nonatuck people uh, here in the States, uh, also known as uh, Western Massachusetts. So I live in the western part of the state of Massachusetts and specifically in a town dubiously named uh, Amherst, uh, named unfortunately for someone who wrought horrible things on the indigenous uh, population here. Uh, there is an active po- uh, discussion here about potentially changing the name. They already changed the name of the inn that was named after this person. And so, uh, yeah, I live in this uh, Connecticut River Valley as well, the region called New England. Uh, and though I grew up in what is the northern Midwestern uh, region of the United States and in Flint, Michigan, which uh, is a old industrial town with which I identify, a part of me identifies strongly with with all that it um, is and symbolizes in terms of, well, all the, the class uh, fights and issues, the issues around race um, and uh, workers' rights. Uh, where I am now also speaks to that part of me that is very much about uh, connecting to the natural world. Um, I'm looking out my window and seeing the leaves turn this brilliant um, just panoply of orange and yellow and red and light green. It's just popping everywhere with a blue sky behind it. Um, and uh, I feel very privileged to live in a place that has, you know, private lands with public trails and an invitation, just be out, be out, be out. Um, so that's where I am geographically. Um, I'll also locate myself uh, sort of identity-wise as, as, a, as a father uh, to three daughters, as a husband to a very loving wife, uh, Emily, as a son to now two deceased parents, one very recently, and uh, certainly of uh, a lineage that is mixed uh, European, Germanic, English, um, Czech, yeah, so there's all those those parts of me. Uh, in an American context, I also am quick to add that, you know, I'm a white person and identify with all of those uh, unearned privileges. I'm, I'm a male, cisgendered, uh, uh, identify as, as, as hetero and, um, you know, formally educated. So, and I'm also about six foot three. So, you know, packing the privilege, uh, which I'm very aware of, given the nature of the work that I do around social change, social justice. Let me pause there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was, uh, yeah, I feel like I am knowing you more deeply, you know, even, even, even just with that. So I might just briefly reciprocate, um, for your gain, I would hope uh, as much as anything else. And, and yeah, in, in, yeah, attempting to reciprocate as fully, 
uh, in introduction, you know, even those that are familiar with me may, may learn something new because that was very comprehensive. So I um, sit today with a hip injury. It's very unusual for me to be sitting ever, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm carrying some inner disruption um, on the unceded lands of uh, the Darawal and uh, you know, sort of a little bit, uh, you know, sort of up for debate, you know, Yuan peoples uh, is a real sort of border region uh, between um, Aboriginal custodial lands. Here it's a similar, you know, so it's a river lands, um, river valley that flows out to the sea. The sea is about, uh, speaking in miles uh, to an American, about 11 miles from here. The river's a mile and a half down that way. Um, you know, I too choose to place myself uh you know in ready access to nature so i have abundance of greenery around me inside and out through this window um and yeah i'm three inches shorter than you but i (laughs) I recognize a lot of similarities in stature and privilege um and am a migrant in this land this is not the land of my birth um i moved to australia in my mid twenties, um, you know, being invited to, to come here to, to apply my, my craft and, am of mixed, um, Welsh, um, and English, um, heritage. So the, the collection of beings, you know, you see before you now with this nice little label, Tim, uh, you know, I, I draw a legacy of, um, yeah, really sort of interesting, likely um sort of unpleasantness um both given and received uh there was a crusader knight who carried this surname um that we're aware of um there is a aristocratic family that i don't believe i have anything to do with whatsoever that carries the same name uh that are the sort of patriarchal rulers of one of the channel islands in in the in the ocean between um the uk and france and um, my mum is a very proud um, Welsh woman, um, and yeah, you know, the the Welsh people, yeah, you know, yeah, are now resurgent as a as a sort of a relative, you know, the sort of um, indigenous peoples, you know, with yeah, and I think at this point in time, it's thirty percent of the Welsh population speaks Welsh as their first language, um, which I do not. My mother does not; she speaks um, some Welsh, but. It's been really interesting immersing myself and being invited uh, and, and recognizing the privilege in that invitation to to engage more with First Nations people here. Uh, I'm recognizing more and more the suppression of um, my own ancestors in parts of the world. And yeah, father to two, uh, a son and a daughter, um, blessed husband to a, a loving wife, Belle. Um, and yeah, oh, we could we could have a whole conversation about privilege, and maybe we will one day. But um, yeah, very much recognizing the privilege of access that I have been granted um, because of yeah, being white, being English by citizenship, speaking English uh, in a colonized country, um, and yeah, the more and more my work becomes. Yeah, grounded in um, all of sort of yeah, what is what is up with the world and 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 how do we level it up? If I just use some sort of colloquialisms, um, 
to my, you know, to, to talk about co-creating a better world, then, uh, yeah, seeing myself in the system has been a really important juncture over, over the last few years of, of shifting for me. Yeah. 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 I appreciate that. I uh, appreciate all that you shared. Thank you. It's, uh, nice to get that kind of texture, uh, from someone. And, uh, it's, it's also, you know, something that we, we do in our work, um, the work that I do, um, just uh, how is it that we can create a little more surface area for us to connect with one another uh, in the telling of our of our stories and, and our multiple identities and different belongings. Um, having just done that actually last week, I was talking to you a little bit before we hit you know record about this uh, network leadership institute that we relaunched with uh, this Food Solutions New England network I've been working with for ten years, and the baseline is always. Um, relational and through various modalities and rituals, I'll use that word, rituals, uh, really bringing people in to experience that texture. There's a beautiful comment made at the end of this session where uh, somebody who does organizing of of, uh, farm workers and food system workers said, you know, now I feel like I know what we're made of. And so we can weave this tapestry. We can go forward and weave this tapestry. It's like, oh, okay. Our work is not done, but it's well launched. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, so let me now invite you, appreciating that there was a, a pause, to introduce with a little bit more richness uh, you know, your work you know, and however much of the journey to be in the work you, you, know, you would like to, to share at this juncture. Sure, sure. Well, maybe I'll uh, back up and just, you know, repeat that I was raised in in Flint, Michigan, which, um, you know, for those who have seen the film Roger and Me or have heard about the water crisis, uh, this mid-sized American city, which has gone through, you know, an industrial rise and 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 a decline and with all kinds of social issues related to the amount of poverty and racism that still exists there. That was a really important social education for me um, growing up in the public schools there. And uh, as the son of two parents who were educators who um, aspired to um, really work not just on others educating them, but really develop themselves over the course of their lives, very open minded in many different ways, uh, activists for peace and understanding through their education work. I mean, all that was incredibly formative uh, to me, along with just sort of a, a sort of an inherent um, sensitivity that I've had since I was a little kid that I've carried through my lifetime. Sometimes viewed as a, as a uh, a weakness or even a disability, and now I fully embrace as a tremendous strength. Yeah, so I've I've you know I consider myself to uh, I've always considered myself to be an educator, not as 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 someone who pours in, but sort of helps to draw draw out. Um, and more recently, I've also been thinking of myself as a as a healer, um, sort of an educator healer. Again, not, not necessarily somebody who does too, but helps to sort of you know bring out those 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 um, uh, those patterns or those practices in people. You know, I've I've been a formal educator in a classroom. I've I've done um, community development and organizing uh, overseas in this country. I, I was a student minister for a little while, exploring student ministry, um, specifically in the Unitarian Universalist Church. 
Um, anyway, uh, youth work, uh, other strands I'm not mentioning now, but has led me to where I've been for the last 20 years as a, um, well, an employee of the Interaction Institute for Social Change um, and as somebody who identifies as a, a process designer, facilitator, um, and, and contributing to change in, in, in that way, also doing some coaching, consulting, and do some work outside of uh, the Interaction Institute for Social Change, specifically in um, the regenerative development space. Our mutual friend, Carol Sanford, has been a mentor, um, as has Joel Glansberg and um, many other wonderful people. Uh, and so um, I'm leaning a little bit more heavily into the regenerative development space, specifically bringing together uh, network science and energy system science, which we can talk about more later. Uh, big, big, big ideas, but I'm really trying to bring them down to to earth and practice. Yeah, I I, I feel that I I'm just going to share some of my sort of somatic experiences <laughs> as you but specifically not that you know people can feel what's going on in my body but <laughs> if we had a video running you would probably have got the sense of like my excitement and energy building as <laughs> you just went through that so certainly what i experienced was like this real leaning in and i you know, kind of now thank you again for the grounding exercise like really paying attention to my my body and my kind of inner structures and and my energies which is of course the purpose of such things um and and i i, I and as specifically as you said yeah those those two big things you know you just kind of landed those big things right at the end there i kind of went oh yes like i had this real kind of like heightening of a vibration internally and i was kind of like yeah right like yeah some real kind of aliveness came came in that um so all very wonderful and abundant and uh, yeah and i can't wait to to dive in and explore so um here, here's the very broad invitation right and, and then they kind of do do with this as you will and we will go uh you know wherever wherever we, we we go and what unfolds for us so this is a season about frameworks and we're talking about frameworks because as you dear listener if you, you've hit, heard you know sort of several conversations in this series um you know sort of before this one you know, frameworks have become, you know, sort of increasingly, increasingly poignant um, as, as we've been exploring this, um, you know, this what do we do to shift our world into a, a new trajectory or our worlds, I should say. So, you know, I've been, I've been you know, drawn to, you know, to, to interact with you, Curtis. I've been, you know, I've been sort of watching, uh, you know, really moved and, and engaged by a lot of your social media posts, which I'm very grateful for. Um and yeah, there were, I just sort of discovered that, you know, this specific, um, you know, sort of collection of beings, Carol Sanford was a, was a sort of a, a co, I don't know, provocateur or provocatrix of ours. Um, I, I thought, right. Yeah. There's, 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 there's some real, um, you know, sort of energetic sensing going in here. So the, the invitation is to share, you know, sort of the framework sort of core to your work, uh, you know, for us to explore, you know, sort of the, the application of them, you know, how they show up, you know, in your world and in the worlds of those that you work with, um, and really what what they mean and, and how you bring meaning to and through them as we look at shifting our world. Great, great. 
Yeah, thanks again for, I love that you're sharing your your, your somatic experiencing of, of this conversation. And I'm, yeah, feeling that, that sort of attunement and alignment, um, which is, which is, I'm feeling the flow. I'm feeling the flow. So, uh, yeah, I'll say something I didn't say, which I should have said in terms of my so-called professional identity, is that I um, do a lot of work with networks and sort of help uh, multi-interest holder uh, collaboratives uh, form and, and launch or mature. Uh, these networks can span any number of different issues. Uh, over the last dozen or so years, they've been concentrated mainly around food systems, uh, public health, and education, and also um, economic development. Again, you know, who was it who once said there is no such thing as a single issue campaign? So it's they all kind of, you know, address multiple things. Um, but that's where I do spend a, a, a lot of my time. Um, so I'm sort of known as the network guy in my organization and um, and do a lot of work with around uh, uh, food systems in particular, trying to create just sustainable uh, and democratic uh, food systems. So, you know, one of the... Um, and I love that we're having this conversation about frameworks, and I love love frameworks and understand that they can mean different things to different people. Um, for me, they um, simplify what is otherwise otherwise very complex, and 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 when they work really well, they they do that elegantly, uh, that, and and they invite us to um, think and see, quote unquote, um, differently see our reality uh, in a way that could be helpful uh, to move us toward these, these, these virtuous ends. And so the first framework I wanted to mention comes out of what we at the Interaction Institute for Social Change practices, our kind of core methodology, which is known as facilitative leadership. And the definition of facilitative leadership is it's, it's when, um, we practice in such a way that we create and inspire the conditions for people to step into their power or uh, enact their power to move on a common goal. Uh, and so it, it, it's about encouraging self-organization and, and self-development and speaking up and taking initiative. Um, I often liken it to, you know, being the, the, the gardener, the permaculture gardener who, uh, you know, it's not just simply looking at a garden yelling, grow, uh, you know, we have to prep it, we have to prep the soil. And ultimately, we don't want to be intervening constantly, like that's the extractive, tiresome thing that we do in mainstream agriculture, we want to get it to the point so that natural system can flourish. And so that's really what we see leadership as being about fundamentally. And so when we introduce that definition, there's often a lot of resonance and, and then the next question that often comes up is how do we do that? And so we introduce a series of practices that actually come out of practice. They're not made up. They're, they come out of observation of really effective collaborative groups and initiatives. What are they actually doing knowingly or unknowingly to um, create those conditions and, and, and sort of success? And in fact, one of the practices we, we look at is how we balance dimensions of success when we think about collaboration. So we know that often 
leaders, quote unquote, are held accountable for results, for outcomes, and for things that are very quantifiable and measurable. But when you ask people about a successful collaboration, what made it successful for them or what they paid attention to, they often mention these other things that might not be so easily measurable or for which they may not necessarily be held accountable. And so we simplify that into this triangle. So if you can picture in your, your, your mind's eye, this triangle that has, you know, the three corners of results, process, and relationship. And it really uh, is meant to convey that it, it's a shorthand for when we list all the things that contribute to success that um, certainly results outcomes, these kind of more quantifiable things matter. Um, but so does the way that we engage the work. And then sometimes that's the process, the how. Sometimes that is the outcome. We're changing our how. <laughs> We're, that is the outcome, right? Uh, um, and then the other corner is, is relationships. And that's about the who. It could be um, uh, how people relate to one another, how they relate to a place, how they relate to the work itself. And it's presented as an equilateral triangle, suggesting that all of these um, factors des deserve um, equal consideration. Um, and there is no such thing as collaboration without process or relationship. Sometimes there is with no result, um, or, or not the results we'd hoped for. Um, so the invitation is to really hold this in our mind and think about in a moment or uh, over time, how do we want to hold ourselves accountable for a certain kind of success? Um, I've heard Bill Reed, for example, tell the story, uh, you know, about preparing dinner and doing it in this really rushed way. You're trying to create this elegant dinner um, and then you put it on the table and then somebody says something and you fly off the handle and get angry. Right. And so his question being, was your was your was your aim to just cook dinner or was it to have a nice family meal together? Right. So there's a good example. It's not just delivering the goods. It's the relational piece of it. It's the it's the how, right? We're serving and convening and gathering. So um, that's the that's the first framework I was uh, wanting to lift up here. Let me pause and see what's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> first of all, what's coming up right now is Bill's metaphor. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> and to the point where I'm like, oh. I haven't had breakfast yet. Now I'm thinking about food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. If I could, yeah, yeah, if I'm completely honest. Um, okay, so yeah, so first of all, I'm going to kind of come come back to the you know the sort of you know why frameworks and and, and what are frameworks and what are they for. And I really enjoyed your um, you know sort of depiction of you know sort of it, it, it's providing um, well what I received from um you know sort of your um explanation was you know it, it, it you know frameworks are an enabler for you know to navigate complexity sort of with a with an amount of accessibility and i love that i loved your term elegance that that yeah a sort of a a, a framework held and, and 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 shared and navigated well um, yeah, kind of has that grace 
you know, the, 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 the gracefulness to me is kind of what's coming up as like the doing that, that then elegance is the emergence from, um, and yeah, I mean, I can, I can certainly say that there, there's some frameworks that, you know, I've been invited to explore that I, I haven't received elegance from, you know, like they've been pointy or they've been kind of, oh, wow, you know, like I've really got to, oh, um, you know, kind of sit with these for some time. Um, and yeah, this triad framework that you've, you know, you've introduced here, like that's extremely elegant, right? Like uh, that's, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm flowing with that. You know, there, there's not too many smooth, uh, sorry, there's, there's not too many rough edges to this. Like I'm kind of straight into the, into the flow of this. And yeah, like, uh, I think what's really, really helpful um, is, is just constantly calling to the relationship, you know, acknowledging the system we're in and like, we've got to get stuff done and we've got to point to the measurability and like, you know, where's the materiality in that? Like what's actually shifted. I get it. Right. Like, yeah, it, 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 it's not, it's not, oh, it's not sufficient for most you know, occasions to simply say we gathered. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, to sort of, to point to that, and in my mind, interestingly, so here's a question I'm holding about where on the triangle these points sit. So for me, what's coming up and what emerged as you were describing it was relationships is on the left because that's the genesis. Process is on the right and results was at the top. Right. So that that's that's how I'm visualizing. And I, it was interesting that you didn't allocate the three a position on the triangle as you described them. I thought that was really interesting. And maybe that's an exercise <laughs> that you offer as part of introducing this framework. Well, it's interesting because some people will sometimes say, I mean, I think traditionally and, and we've changed the image. It's interesting what you were just saying about this. I think you said I can't remember the word you just used. Sorry, but I think it was something about it being accessible, not pointy or not. Uh, and we actually rounded the corners of the um, of the triangle and actually showed. Nice. How, actually, there's a, a kind of a flow between these, right? So, the idea is not to paint ourselves into a corner. It is to be able to move dynamically, you know, and 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 I'll, I'll use the word strategically, right, with some intention. Um, when are we leaning into maybe more a results orientation? When are we leaning into, you know, they're all in play, but there might be an accentuation of one over, over the other. And so, uh, yeah. And, 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 and now having, you know, sort of taught this and, and used it in consulting work, I'm remembering these stories of, of somebody who was a, a pastor in a church who came to one of our trainings and said, you know, for me, relationship is the the apex here it is that the top you know other people will say oh you mean so pro process and relationships are in service of results well maybe i mean if that's what what it's what's being called for here but you know we do come back to saying you know the, the long term here is really it's the relational piece and and i was thinking about you know what holds the three frameworks i'm hoping to share together and it really is about a, a you know all our relations, um, to borrow a, a phrase from our indigenous brothers and sisters, um, really thinking relationally. Yeah, and so that even came up last week in a, in a session with these food system leaders and change agents where the dawning on one person, we, we, we do this interactive exercise where we 
move people into groups and have them build these paper towers. And they're not just trying to build the towers, they're, they're paying attention to their process and relationships as they go. And, um, you know, for one person who's, who's a fairly seasoned leader, this person said, oh my gosh, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about how many times I just rush into something without building that sort of foundation of trust before we try and do something. And wow, right? Um, and, and, and it can speak to how sometimes we privilege one corner over another, right? Um, being more results, process, relationship oriented in our, you know, general leaning or, or circumstantially. So it can be really rich. Yeah, yeah, absolutely can. There's a couple of, of other things coming up that I'm kind of holding somewhat, trying to hold them lightly at the moment. Um, just to speak in, you know, a an element of a, another set of frameworks. Um, you know, in theory, you, you know, there's there's this uh, sort of um, recognition, you know, sort of really early in, in, in that work about these three divides, right? And essentially what's interesting is that, um, you know, hearing um, Otto Sharma and others speak through those, like the, the, the word relationship actually is often absent. Right, it's kind of not used explicitly, uh, uh, and I'm now wondering whether that there's an intention there to sort of to note the absence of this because he's setting up. You know, there is an absence here. There's a divide. There's a separation. There is a lack of relationship between, um, you know, nature, others, and uh, and ourselves. And, um, like I, I think, you know, the, yeah, like the, kind of like the stacking of relational status you know that arguably that's a contentious you know sort of system that that you know we need to sort of unravel and why is one relationship over here more important than one relationship over there um you know why do the relationships that you know we put in economic structures for example tend to outvalue relationships we put in social structures um yeah, you know, and uh, you know what? Yeah, you know, this 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 word partnerships, you know, which now has kind of become the thing, you know, that businesses have realised they actually need partnerships. Um, well, why are we why are we getting to this now? <laughs> uh, you know, what 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 is it you know, that's happening? You know, sort of in our existence that's bringing that realisation up. And then where are we drawing that for? Like, where are we sourcing the idea of what a partnership is? Um, yeah, and again, this is this whole kind of relational awakening, which I maybe that's overstating it, but I, I really sense that there is this kind of realization. So there's that, there was that. And then the other one I was just reflecting on, as we sit here together now, I'm at the end of a pilot program, um, working with a, a diverse group of you know, similar uh, sort of network description to yours, like multi-stakeholder, you know, tightly networked group um, in the construction industry. And we've been working with this group uh, for a year on inclusive practice, right? And what was what was really uh, you know, sort of reassuring uh, to me is that early on in that work, yeah, you know, we had the system self-generate its its sort of core principles, right? And being relational and and recognizing the relationships that already existed with a group that is already on the journey. And that that was actually something that they really needed to place value in and sort of continually reflect on the health of as they then sort of co-navigate what is always going to be, you know, 
an interesting and complex environment uh, in the construction industry, that was really reassuring to me that as a group where there was no probing or provocation for to, to, to rise that up, they kind of went, yeah, this is actually something that's really significant for us and we want to name this and kind of put it on the table and say that we need to be better with this by calling each other out around it. That was reassuring to us and the heartfelt sense that, yeah, great, yeah, these people get this and, and, we, and we're going to go on a generative journey together. That, that's, 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 that's wonderful. Amazing. And, and, and at the same time, you know, as if, you know, I think we both have the same reaction to probably that it's just dawning on people. And, and of course it isn't just dawning on people. I think we can put up these walls between, you know, let's say work and then personal life. And of course, personal life is rich in relationships, but somehow we don't talk about that, uh, you know, in the work realm. I mean, that's changing or, you know, sort of the formal versus the informal again, because of, I think of, of accountability, we talk about this a lot with, you know, philanthropic pra- practice in terms of what, um, you know, what grantees are held accountable for these kinds of results. Um, so it kind of perpetuates this, uh, you know, this sort of public facing valuing of results and diminishing relationships. And that's more of a private thing. And you know, we could probably talk about masculine, feminine energies in, in that. Uh, and then process, it's kind of like, I often hear people, you know, mention process if they're not a facilitator saying, I don't like process. I'm not a process person. It's just interesting, right? Um, to hear people say that, to which I often respond, well, I, I hope you like breathing because that's a process. I hope you like eating. That's a process, you know. So anyway, um, interesting. And I will say that what you were just saying about that, the partnerships, I mean, you're opening the, the, the door to the second framework that I wanted to, to bring in, which is which is all about networks. So I'm going to bring up the word networks because, you know, again, this sort of dawning that we need partnerships or relationships, you know, it just sort of shows, shows our cards that we're not honoring the networks that we are already a part of uh, that are already a key to sustaining us, whether we're talking about social networks, we're talking about microbial networks, uh, talking about the networks that exist within our body, the nervous system, the enteric nervous system that connects our organs, uh, you know, the connections between head, heart, and gut. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, this is why I catch myself sometimes when I when I talk about you know I'm, I'm supporting people to build networks. First of all, it feels a little mechanical, but it also um, can sometimes feel a little bit like we're we're diminishing the fact that we're already starting with something, right? We're already starting with a network, a place-based network, a state of relations that may not be optimal, but we're starting somewhere. And um, and so I almost think about this as taking that relationship corner of that that triangle I just mentioned and double clicking on it and then comes up another triangle. How about that? It's, it's all about triangles. That's, it turns out. Um, and so this other framework is, is I've, in, I've inherited sort of adapt, adapted and adjusted um, based on the work of Madeline Taylor and Peter Plastrick, who've done a lot of work around uh, evaluation of networks. And they wrote a paper back in 2006, looking at sort of a typology specifically of social change networks you think about when networks come together 
to to enact something that we would call change, um, they can do that in a variety of different ways. And so this is not about the corners of the triangle. This is about the levels, if you will. And so at the base of the triangle, if you think about um, sort of the foundation, is what they call connectivity. Now, I don't know that they call it the foundation, but I do. Um, so we could just simply better connect people, places, ideas, and then things can happen, right? Emergence, self-organization. The Network Leadership Institute spent its first, its first 24 hours last week uh, through Food Solutions New England doing just a lot of relational building, and people were already starting to scheme and dream, right? Just by creating con conditions for connection. And so this is kind of the province of, of thinking and acting like a weaver. A second level, if you will, coming up is, is what Pete and Madeline call um, alignment. And so if you think about, you know, you can have a thousand flowers blooming or connecting. It's something else if you can kind of get all those connections pointed in a common direction. So when we start to align actors in a system toward a goal or a vision or values or a mission or the same strategic priorities, even if they aren't formally collaborating, the idea is that the boats are pointed in the same direction. That can create more power and momentum. And this is really the province of, of facilitation that helps to create alignment. So whether that's a, a facilitator or acting facilitatively, it's, 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 it's taking those many connections and, and moving in a direction. And then at the top of the triangle, not because it's the best, but because, you know, these other things of, of connectivity and alignment can build, um, in a sense, more um, potential for coordinated action. That's what I call it. I think Pete and Madeline call it uh, productivity, thinking about a network oriented toward productivity. So a time and a place when a network wants to take action together. We are going en masse to advocate for something. We are, we're going to do a literal or figurative barn raising. Um, we are going to raise resources. We're going to, you know, just coordinate many of these aligned actors uh, and, and, and um, move them to action. And um, so coordination clearly is a key function there. And so when I brought this to various networks, you know, sometimes there's this rush to get to coordinated action, sort of a constant privileging of, of, of that, maybe in a way that we privilege results. Um, and it's to say that sometimes all that's needed is just some weaving. Um, there's actually a quote I wanted to share. Do I have this in my mix here? I may not. Well, there's, there's Grace Lee Boggs, who was a community organizer in Detroit, lived to the age of 100, and a political organizer, focused a lot on social equity, talked about how, you know, in this world of many, this is not the quote, I'm going to butcher it, but the basic idea is in this world of, of just tremendous intricacy, it's not always about collective mass mobilization, it's about critical connections. You can make just that right connection, and that can, boom, like you take two networks that are not connected and create one tie, whoa, that can create a lot of potential. So it's not always thinking about more is better. But maybe we do need to lean into aligning um, 
because, you know, there's too much competition and too much chaos and coherence. And, and, and there is a time and place to go to the state house together or, you know, um, create that new venture together. Um, and again, it's not necessarily meant to be linear. I've worked with a, a food system network in a particular <laughs> state that I won't name in the U.S. that um, just when we were trying to build the connectivity, they just were not having it. They were just not having it. And then organically what emerged was this opportunity to go to the state house and advocate for something, um, which they did, this very action-oriented group. And um, after that, they said to each other, hmm, we should get to know each other better. Maybe there's more that we could do, right? So again, the invitation is to think about, first of all, to think about yourself as living in a world of, of interconnection and how we can um, act in as weavers, as facilitators, as coordinators to, um, you know, to enact that potential. So anticipating there will be a gain in, in me sharing what's coming up for me, <laughs> there, there's a whole host of things. And I'm going to start with something which I feel I overlooked. Hmm. Uh, you know, you had a, a sort of a revelation that, that there was something you could have declared earlier. I think one thing which has really um, sort of crystallized for me in these past few years, uh, as well as oh yeah, frameworks are pretty significant, is that, that for me and in my chosen way of being and the way that I am in the work that I choose to be in, the, the simplification of the selection for me of who I am working with and which frameworks I am, you know, sort of sourcing from and how, you know, sort of the, the um, invitation is extended to work with those. There, there has actually become some binarism. And that binarism is, is the way of being and the framework and the in, way the invitation of this to, you know, to engage with this framework. Is it all grounded in living systems? If the answer is yes, then I'm in and I'm curious and I'm exploring. <laughs> if the answer is no or what's living systems, <laughs> um, then that's where the binarism is for me, at least in terms of am I going to shift with this? Because what was coming up for me as you were describing the second framework was the playfulness of this and the, the non-linearness of this and that this is a really alive framework, right? Like, connection can emerge at any point in the cycle of relationships right um and 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 to your um you know very elegant depiction there of, of no doubt what was a very interesting <laughs> sort of engagement with with these 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 folk in this food group right like you can you can f try and force connection by asserting this is where you must begin right um and you know you you can share and, and and sort of invite acknowledgement that connection is really important and that it can show up and be deepened and be activated and be extended you know or you know retracted and uh you know sort of diminished um at any point in an interaction between living beings right 
Um, so, uh, yeah, to begin with, what was what was showing up, you know, in, in a visual in in a visual sense, was actually more now not a triangle, but this kind of like almost like bun shaped kind of like blob <laughs> that roughly had you know a, a sort of a three point draw to it. So I was like, yeah, okay, that's how I'm how this is showing up for me. But then it actually became more like a kind of like a mycelium network that. It, it was like, okay, so yes, I see the points, but I actually want to bring them together and sort of sh- show it dynamically, um, which was probably helpfully activated by the dynamism in you, <laughs> like your embodied dynamism as you were literally bouncing around <laughs> at one point you know, in your depiction, which was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I, I think, again, yeah, the frameworks are about raising awareness, right, um, and kind of going, hey – Yes, coordinated action, right? And maybe in this context. So again, it's all place-based. It's all contextual, right? Maybe in this place, in this context, let's go do some stuff. As we do some stuff, acknowledge that you know alignment will will be beneficial and that connection will be beneficial. So let's just pay attention to those two, you know. Or to your uh, you know to your previous analogy, it might be that you know okay, yep, we, we we've now been invited here, and the journey has begun. And there's heaps of connection, and maybe our to do now is the alignment bit, mm, 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 mm. Um, which may deepen some connections, may you know sort of surface new ones. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I sort of um, embellish the point here, but um, yeah, and I can very much see you know the compounding and the relationality between these two frameworks. I'm kind of intermeshing my my fingers as I describe this. Uh, so yeah, I yeah, I'm enjoying this. Um, envisioning at the moment i love that well thank you for playing with that uh that that image and um i love your your sort of reference of the of the buns or what you know this this is this is of course what is 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 meant to happen is to play with these and and i mean i I often invite people to make these your own right i mean it may um open up a certain truth or way of seeing but then it's not meant to be frozen at that point right so continue to work with those insights but work with the framework itself right i mean um as, as we continue to see differently and evolve our thinking then then so should our our, our frameworks i think at least some of them and yes I, I i've actually at one point was talking to my colleagues about um you know and not a one-to-one match and don't want to force fit but you could think about how taking those two triangles, relationships, connectivity, go together, uh, process and alignment, you know, and, and, and then results in coordinated action. In some sense, there might be a little bit of an overlay there. Um, but again, it, it's meant to be all very, very dynamic. And to the extent that we make those distinctions, it's meant to be helpful uh, and not, uh, you know, just for, for, you know, create further categorization and, and, and boxing and, and, um, separation so let well, me just, tell you, oh yeah go ahead sorry go ahead. sorry sorry just one there's, there's another one that's 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 now coming up and, and I, I, again whether or not this will be helpful or not but um it's interesting how in your uh, description of the first framework you you brought some specificity to the metaphor of of nurturing conditions and that you know, that is like soil right and now we're looking at a framework you know that's got a networking application so you know looking at um just one of you know the 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 um, many metaphors um, that we can 
engage with in our natural world, right? Well, what's the network that holds soil together? (laughs) Um, So, you know, here's an interaction of many beings, you know, fungi, you know, algaes um, and, 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 and plants that together hold this substance that we refer to as soil and stop it from being blown or washed or, you know, kind of frazzled away. And then what's the fruit that emerges, you know, out of um, that network? Well, one of the fruits that emerges out of that network that has this kind of conical shape to it, uh, which, you know, now for me is kind of replacing my um, or displacing my initial uh, offer of a bun, um, you know, as a mushroom, right? So it's kind of like, it's interesting. It's like, ah, oh, interesting. So if, you know, if, you, if you're doing the work, you know, with this first framework to kind of set the, the conditions and, and nurture your soil, then you're going to get out of your network, which might be, you know, un- unseen, unrecognized, you know, unacknowledged. You're going to see these fruits popping up, right? And then from these fruits, we can see, oh, yeah, alignment, connection, and, 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 and um, you know, sort of conjoined action. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe this is all coming up because a couple of months ago I read Entangled Life by Mel- Merlin Sheldrake. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, really went long on fungi. You know? yes. it's, like... <laughs> it's a lot we can say about mushrooms, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, sorry, pardon the interruption. I, I, that was... No, 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 it's fine. I just I thought I would go ahead and just, you know, um, make then the connection to this final framework Uh and you know maybe overusing this sort of double click mouse metaphor but uh it's just occurring to me that we might you know do that and continue to sort of go go deeper if you if you hover over the connectivity foundation of this triangle and and then what that shows uh is that when you consider connectivity in a network it has a lot to do with with energy and energy in its in its multiple forms. And here I have to just pause and give, you know, credit to my mentor, Dr. Sally J. Gurner, uh, who used to work with John Fullerton, ran an integral science institute in North Carolina. She's now in Chicago, semi-retired, continuing to write, uh, an academic, amazing thinker. Um, and she put out a book a number of years ago that's somewhere here on my shelf, uh, and I'm not going to remember the name of it, but I want to give her credit. I don't want to look for it right now, but um, I'd always had this sense as I was doing this network work that, you know, as I said earlier, it's not that we're just inventing these networks. They, they always are. And she really brought this kind of theoretical scientific language um, and view to that and has coined this phrase, energy system science, which the foundation of that are are what she calls, or what we call, uh, flow networks, to understand that, you know, networks are not these frozen network maps on a page. The lines are not solid and fixed. They're very dynamic. And they are, um, they're all about movement. They're about exchange. They're about flow. And so I am going to quote Dr. Gurner here. One of my favorite quotes from her is long-term prosperity is primarily a function of healthy human webs. Long-term prosperity is primarily a function of healthy human webs. And there's a lot of qualification to what we mean by healthy. We think about uh, some some qualifiers existing in uh, the diversity of those webs 
the intricacy of those webs and also the robustness, meaning what is actually moving and being shared between whom and for what. That really has a lot to say about, obviously, our economic systems, but also public health, education, ecological networks, socio-ecological networks. And so this just, you know, sent me just, I was so excited. We connected several years ago and have continued our partnership first uh, under the Capital Institute with the um, Research Alliance for Regenerative Economics that has become more independent and now has a connection to the Planetary Health Lab at the University of Edinburgh. Sally continues, Dr. Gerner, I should say, continues to churn out these wonderful articles. And I've been taking the science and moving it into um, a framework and some practices. And so this final framework is a little more complex, probably appropriately so as we're getting down here to the maybe quantum realm. But when we talk about what it is that supports healthy webs to be, you know, diverse enough, intricate enough, robust enough, there are four factors that the Research Alliance for Regenerative Economics, uh, we've lifted up. So this is a quadrant, right? What consultant doesn't want a quadrant or quadrant framework? And so they are the following. Um, these healthy human or socio-ecological webs need regenerative flows. That's number one. So that's one quadrant. So how are we continuing to nourish the system, not just sort of extracting? How do we bring dollars back into the community? How do we ensure that nutrients do not leach out of the soil? So regenerative flows is one. A second is resilient structure. How do we ensure we have a balance of different sizes and arrangements that can support those regenerative flows? So Dr. Gerner often uh, points out the banking system, right, where we've got a lot of these now big banks and we've lost a lot of the small banks and we've become very top heavy at the expense of the local banks that can hold local affairs, these big national banks that are, um, or international banks that are distant from the local ground and therefore it's not very resilient to support the local, right? And so we need more of a balancing and distribution of structure. So we've got regenerative flow. Second is, is resilient structure. Third is common cause culture. So we're really calling out our way of being here uh, as humans, believing that we're united in something that is common, a common venture, a common goal, a common purpose, common values, um, that if we're not you know, paying attention to what binds us together and acting accordingly, it actually, you know, it pulls apart our resilient structures, it becomes degenerative. So common cause culture is number three. And the fourth quadrant is all about learning, because that is the key to adaptation, uh, ongoing um, evolution, um, ongoing development, and specifically, it's collaborative learning, right? how we can learn in groups. And this might sound like a stretch to some, but I think it's also how we honor different parts of our own system for our knowing. We are not just brains on sticks. We have hearts and guts, these bodies that are part of our learning structure. So 
How can we engage in our own individual collaborative learning and, and embracing our whole system, as well as doing that, you know, in, in groups and in diverse groups. So when you bring all of those together, these are the different pillars, four pillars, if you will, that support, you know, healthy flows of energy in these networks that can support that long-term prosperity, health, wealth, learnedness, adaptive capacity. And so what I've been doing is taking those four and then thinking about how this plays out at different systemic levels, if you will, at the individual level, at a group level and larger systemic levels. You know, what are things that support our own individual resilience structure, for example? Um, I, I think about Qigong. Um, I think about yoga. Uh, if we think about resilient structure at the level of a group, it could be, you know, conflict, uh, conflict processes and structures. So we lean healthily into conflict so that we speak truth but still hold together. And then at these bigger levels, uh, systemic levels, we might think of things like fractals. Uh, we might think of, of, of things like river deltas. Um, we might think of things like, uh, you know, different kinds of network structures. So I won't go into every quadrant, but just thinking about how across these four domains, these four pillars, there are specific practices again, at this individual group and, and larger systemic level. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit going on. And, uh, and I love it. I really love, uh, I mean, I've, I've really, really loved our whole conversation. But um, this one in particular, I'm, I'm like, I'm really, really nesting with this. So well, I tell you what really sort of struck me um as I confess, I was sort of starting to you know, do my inner processing and um, and think about you know the the exploration and and, and and sort of I resist using the word application, but you know that, that tends to be kind of a, mm. a word that's used when one thinks about frameworks, right? Like where where would where would you invite you know, people to to explore this and and bring this into life in their own in their own space? Um, it is the absence of many of these things in in what is considered to be, you know, good, healthy practice, right? Um, you know, certainly, you know, I, I just, I completely embrace flow. Mm. Oh, look. Let me see. I see. I, I'm, I'm getting a lot of uh, entertainment here out of a, somebody picking up. Hi there. <laughs> Sorry, we just had a, a small person arrive in the room. Hey, speaking of flow, speaking of flow. Speaking of flow. Yeah, we're absolutely in flow. Um, so, hey, Will. Can you just come back for a moment? Just since we're here and this is live and, and, and amusing, uh, can you just say um, the bit that you say for my podcast? Can you just say? Better leaders, better world. Hey, I like it. <laughs> there's, there, there's like a, a, a sound bite of that from when Will was, however old he was when we began this, like five um, anyway, that sits at the very, it's like the very end of, of each episode. So anyway, since, since he's just wandered in, there we are, home-based podcast creation. Now, I'm not going to cut that out either. I think it's, it's exactly, as you said, like we're in flow right now. There we go. There's now a child in this, in this endeavor as well. Um, yeah, the, um, the shift in realization of, you know, sort of what is 
well, yeah, we could use the word successful. We could say desirable. We could say generative. The shift from balance to flow as sort of what it is that you're, I could say I am seeking to be in, right? Like, and just, just to make it specifically about the nonsense of work-life balance, right? So to acknowledge your previous point, first of all, the nonsense in the separation of those things, because we can't split ourselves in half and go, yep, that bit's off to work now. And this bit's, you know, we're just going to put that on, on ice until work's done. And then we'll pick that back. All right. Not how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like this, 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 you know, why is it that people struggle so much with this? Why is it that people are constantly self-critiquing? Oh, my, my work balance is, is not good right now. It's like, well, cause it's impossible. (laughs) Um, yeah, and, and like balance it, yeah, in of itself is a practice of mastery, right? Like you brought up, you know, Qigong and, and yoga and these kind of things, right? Like to to stand on one foot for an extended period of time, balancing all of your internal processes, that takes real work, right? And it, it, it requires very little disruption or distraction. Guess what life is full of? Hence, balance is really hard, right? So what, what, what if we think about flow, right? So rather than standing in a you know, sort of static pose, what if that, the objective was just simply to be more dynamic and, you know. Flexible, flexible. Right? Yeah, and isn't that to it actually isn't that easier and isn't yeah. that richer and isn't there so much more nuance and subtlety and adaptability and, you know, sort of intrinsic, you know, sort of, adoption of whatever you know response and sense and response to what's coming up as giles um, hutchins would say right so then to anchor that with well that needs to be regenerative right so there's mutuality and there's reciprocation and and you know there's there's acknowledgement that you know it can't just be a flow in one direction um yeah like we could we could sit just in that corner of the quadrant for an extended period of time um so yeah, so that so this this is a quadrant that requires some some real depth of exploration, and I think you know right now you know feels like it's the moment of resilience, right? Everyone wants to talk about resilience and what resilient means, and you know how we can give people more resilience. Hmm. Say more about that. Right? <laughs> how 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 exactly do we gift this to people? But yeah, you know, but I think the structures is yeah you know, is, is kind of is definitely a you know, a, a bit which is overlooked, right? Um, social structures, internal structures. Yeah, the, I love the three lines of work approach. You know, what, what do you need in, as a as a yeah? We'll say an individual, but yeah, you know, as a collection of beings that's contained in a vessel that you know people look at and say, well, that's a person. Um, what do you need? What does your group need? What does your system need? Um, yeah, that's a very, very helpful way of thinking about um, resiliency. Um, and then, oh, I mean, this, this, this is just where I'm called the most is is to in that third domain, right? So, can can you just say more about you know this? It, well, the way that you framed cultures, just just say more about that. I'm really curious to explore this particular corner. Yeah, I mean, it's what's what's coming up for me actually is something we talked about at this Network Leadership Institute launch, which I've now referenced a number of times with Food Solutions New England. So this is the network that I've been working with for about a decade. I spend you know almost a, a quarter to a third of my consulting time there, um, and uh, the convener of this uh, 
the University of New Hampshire Sustainability Institute is steward, stewarded by Tom Kelly, who um, is a sustainability director at UNH and um, a real an amazing leader who sort of made UNH a real icon for sustainability on campuses worldwide um, and is the host for Food Solutions New England. And in giving the um, presentation to this new cohort about food solutions, you know, he, he told the story about how, you know, a number of years ago in academia, people kind of considered agriculture passe, um, number one. And number two, that, you know, agriculture is just about food and, and, and nutrients. But what he and the UNH Sustainability Institute and therefore Food Solutions New England does is we lift up culture as actually, because we're talking about human beings here and our interactions with one another and the world around us. And so that's all about culture. It's our way of being. It's our belief systems. It's our rituals. And so when we talk about having common cause culture, it, it are those th they're, they're those beliefs, those practices, those rituals that um, not just um, speak rhetorically, but demonstrate through action that we believe we're in this together. Which again is the anchoring in relationship and you know the interaction and interdependence and like co-creation of everything by everything, yeah, you know, constantly. And the connection and alignment that requires that to happen as co-action. So, yeah, no, that, that, I get it. And yes, I think I feel like, and again, I'm, I'm sensing that you know, we, we talked about you know, sort of a relational awakening. I, I'm sensing a, a, a realization that culture is the kind of the understated, you know, sort of change element. Um, you know, I, I hear this from, Climate scientists basically saying you don't need any more data. You know, you need to sort of shift what they, they don't tend to use the word culture explicitly, but like the way that you are, the way that we as societies are, like what is that fabric? What is that tapestry that we're weaving? Well, and it also brings us back to place, right? Culture born of place, culture born of, you know, our actual interactions with knowledge of uh, the ecosystems that support us immediately, not not the pineapples coming out to us from some distant land, right? Um, I guess we could say there's such a thing as American culture, but it's, it's, it doesn't seem to be working very well. So really enjoying the richness uh, of the exploration of this quadrant. And I'm now holding these, these two other questions that, I, that I'm grasping and I'm, I'm holding onto them. And I, and I don't want to ignore, you know, sort of the, the, the fourth element here. So as I've just done, could I just invite you to say, uh, to say more? about the, the remaining element of this framework? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it, it's, it's funny because I remember when um, Dr. Gurner, in, in her book, I mean, she's, she's very passionate about education and education reform in particular and really pointed to um, you know, learning as, in, in, in a sense, kind of the crux of it all <laughs> because... If we're not learning, we aren't adjusting, um, and we're not well. We're not we're we're not thinking really about these regenerative flows, resilient structures, and common calls culture, which are always shifting, right? And so we've got to uh, we've got to learn and adapt in a sense, um, not in a sense. That's that's what we have to do. Um, but then, what is you know, 
we learn naturally, right? I mean, as, as, as human beings, as kids, and then we become um, domesticated uh, over time in certain ways of seeing by these formal systems, by our own acculturation and so- socialization. And so, you know, this domain really invites us to wake up and, and to do that in different ways as, as, as individuals, you know, I think about the practices of, of contemplation, uh, different kinds of contemplative practices that allow us to um, become the observer of our patterns and, and uh, ideally create that pause that allows us to make a shift. So reflective practice, um, different kinds of embodied and um, uh, process-based modalities, acceptance and commitment training being another one that can be really helpful for um, becoming more deft at, at managing our own systems here, our bodies, our minds, our guts. And then, of course, there's a, a litany of things that we can do in groups, long-standing kinds of, 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 of techniques or, or um, practices such as storytelling or, you know, more structured things like emergent learning mapping, which is another kind of quadrant that I learned from a, a a facilitator, consultant, to think about how, you know, again, at these larger levels, we're learning. I'm thinking of my friend Dorn Cox, who runs Open Team, which is helping small-scale farmers to learn from one another in networks, but also using, you know, low-cost sensor technology that they can link to open open source software to um monitor soil health and changes in climate and um so connecting to google earth and so at these larger scales um learning but the idea is that we're we're we're, we're doing this collaboratively again grounded in this idea that we're in this together um and and certainly you know that learning is you know these are all connected so again the lines between the quadrants are, are not hard and fast if they exist at all they that learning is supported by that idea of, of regenerative flow of, of information coming back and, and, and structures that um, can hold, uh, hold us so that we can learn from one another, with one another, about one another. And so that's been, you know, something we've leaned into with a lot of the networks that we've worked with over time. And in fact, a network I just worked with this morning that's focused on civil legal aid in a particular very large city in the United States was, you know, lawyers tend to be very action oriented and somebody made the bold claim that really this is, we need to be first and foremost about learning if we really want to change this system of legal aid so that it is at the end of the day, anti-racist and is helping to address poverty, not just perpetuating it and puts the users of legal aid at the center of the system to share their needs and design ideas. So learning, 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 learning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as a learning being, um, who loves learning and yeah, loves co-creating learning journeys and learning experiences and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I felt very validated as, uh, <laughs> as that fourth, fourth element emerged. 
Um, so thank you, thank you very much um, for for sharing these three quadrants. Yeah. I'm just going to share the two questions that I'm holding right now, and, and I'm going to do I'm going to do that now because you, you've already started to reference some practices, which is fa- fabulous, and it may it may be um, facilitative for you to respond to these two questions in a sort of interwoven way. Because the questions are, how would you invite people, leaders listening to this to be practicing these three frameworks? And where would you guide people towards in order to you know, connect with and align more you know, with you and your work? So it might be that, well, here's a practice and here's where you can find an example of it and so on and so forth. Um, so those are the two questions that I invite you to respond to. So Curtis, having posed those two questions to you, we've had a little intermission. So welcome back and it's great to be back with you again. Thank you, great to be here. So what shall we now discuss? Well, um, we had talked about uh, this this emerging framework that um, I think our conversation had uh, got me thinking about and, and looking at the world through through frameworks. How about that? Which <laughs> isn't, isn't uncommon for me necessarily, but I think my, my senses were heightened to that. Um, so if you will, I'll, I'll tell you the story mm. um, behind this. So in February, we took our first plane trip in two plus years uh, down to Florida for a family vacation. And we stayed in this beautiful, beautiful spot, uh, house overlooking sort of this marshland uh, going out to the ocean and um, got to know these very friendly neighbors. Uh, they're very sweet. They came over, introduced themselves to us. They were very lovely with our with our three children, I should say teens. And um, as we were leaving, one of them came over and gave us this gift. And it was uh, a cross made out of olive wood. Now, I was raised Christian, Protestant, Congregationalist. Um, I've had a sense of the divine since I was a little kid, but I don't overly identify as a Christian, you know, really thinking more about the, the multiplicity of religions and all that they have to teach us and try to leave some of the colonial tendencies of, of Christianity behind with good reason. But there was something about this object that really appealed to me. First of all, it was beautiful, made out of this wood, and it wasn't a, um, uh, it wasn't a straight cross. Uh, it was a little bit misshapen and looked very um, natural, shall we say. So uh, the vertical was uh, not quite completely straight, and the horizontal was off kilter a little bit. And I kept it in, in my pocket for a while, just as something that felt... Um, comfortable in my hand and there was something about it I just I I kept it and it was after our conversation that I was looking at it one day and I was starting to put put some things together in terms of my work with energy systems and energy science and then long-standing wisdom traditions as relate to uh, energy and the energy centers in our body and what came up for me was sort of playing with this, you know, the Christian notion of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, when people do cross themselves and almost flipping and reversing it and seeing in this uh, image a framework that goes like this from the base 
um, thinking about the base of our body, the gut, and the mother, thinking mother, child, as we come up to head, the mind, which sits on this longer-standing infrastructure of our, of our body and our animalistic core instinctive tendencies, and then coming to this heart uh, center and having done enough study and practice to recognize that there are kind of two heart centers, if you think about the chakras, um, there's one heart center, which is kind of a lower heart center, which is affiliated with our, with our desires. Um, but there's another heart center, which sometimes gets confused, which is more of the spiritual sort of holistic um, center, connecting us to something much larger. And so in just in, in playing with this, I've been, I've been thinking about in my own practice and, and healing, um, how there's this ongoing effort to um, integrate body, mind, and, and heart, body, mind, heart. Um, and then also, again, thinking about this differentiation between sort of lower heart, high heart, um, and how having those clear distinctions on the one hand, but then also how they build on and integrate with one another can be, at least I'm finding it very powerful to think about in any given instance, whether it's my personal life or work life, what is activated and what is leading um, and what isn't activated and what isn't leading. So where I might be leading with head, where I might be leading with heart, where I'm leading with gut, what's in a certain um, combination of mother sort of child. And I'm not quite sure of the language around this yet. Of course, I, I was thinking about something about father and spirit. I, I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still sort of playing with that. And then as I um, thought about these other frameworks, they seem to sort of naturally layer on top of that um, framework. So thinking about how these different quadrants of energy system science, for example, if you think about things that equate more with the lower body than the, the higher body and things that might uh, affiliate more with the lower heart versus the higher heart, these quadrants just seem to kind of fall into place of common cause culture and collaborative learning being more the, the mind heady work, lower heart maybe perhaps being around learning, higher heart being around perhaps this common cause culture connecting us something to something larger. And then the lower regions, again, lower and, and higher heart, thinking about resilient structure as something that is, you know, embodied, that, that supports us. But then there's the flow that is something that connects us more to spirit and in terms of regenerative flow. So, so that began to fall into place for me. And then as did those two triangles we had discussed, um, thinking about the... Um, sort of levels moving from gut up to head of connectivity as being foundational alignment moving into sort of our heart region. And then, you know, sort of the coordinated mechanisms, um, intention, strategy coming up uh, in, 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 into our mindful regions. And then the results process relationship triangle also having uh, a kind of laying on there as well with the foundation really being about process kind of overlaid with the, the quadrants, uh, regenerative flows, process, relationship, uh, equating with resilient structure. And then 
you know, thinking about results and sort of a, a typical kind of strategic uh, goal orientation, which tends to be a little bit more mindful in nature, not less than, but just, just, uh, just is what it is. So um, those different layers have had me, yeah, again, just looking at the world through one or multiple uh, pains at once and um, inviting some interesting moves in my facilitation and my design, not necessarily foisting any of those frameworks on people. That is to say, I'm now teaching you a framework, but using them to make different choices based on the energetic uh, that's happening in a particular group and where I might want to lean in. So that's what I'm playing with. And uh, it's been a bit surprising that that particular framework emerged as that particular, you know, image uh, and source. And yet, and yet maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, first of all, thank you for your generosity uh, in in sharing this now um and you know i love that in some ways you know something that you know we've co-created has, has stimulated this emergence and i really love the idea of um you know now having shared futures and 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 sort of you know being part of the sense making of how this you know kind of emerges and I, I'm, I'm just i'm going to be paying a lot of attention I, I i i always have a little tingle of excitement when i see a post of yours in my linkedin feed i'm like oh here's something worth resting with and spending some time with so i'll hold a kind of an energetic anticipation of when i might see something um related to this in in that realm and there was a lot coming up for me as uh, as you were um exploring you know, this experience that you've had and, and, and this emergence. So I'll, I'll try and recount some of it. I don't know how coherent it'll be, mainly because it's very early in the morning, but but also there was a lot of complexity, right? Yeah, or maybe because what I presented was not entirely coherent. So, you know, <laughs> that, uh, I'm definitely open to that. <laughs> oh, dear. So let's 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 play with some, some entanglement and complexity. All right, so... I mean, first of all, yeah, real resonance in this um, yeah, connectivity uh, of these sort of lines of of, of energetic sensing um, that have shown up for you in this item, and I I really enjoyed the visual that was, um, or two visuals in particular that first emerged as you were describing this, uh, which is that. Yeah, this is a non-linear, yeah, living, you know, sort of systemic example uh, and, and a very real one, you know, in in the tangibility of it. And like, I, I don't know why, but you know, whenever something is presented in a simple, like equilateral, like quadrant, especially when it's a theory or a framework or or, or something to that effect, it always kind of irritates me. <laughs> What's up with this? You know, so just simply shifting. You know, one of the the sort of arms that extends off from the from the center, you know, down a bit, or or putting it on an angle, and then you know, sort of bisecting in a non-equal way on the other side. Just even just doing that kind of shifts the perspective of how you know the emphasis and the expectation of what's going to show up, um, and, and making that something which, as you invite someone to engage with this framework, you can say, well, you know, design your own version. 
right? right. Like, how does right. this show up for you, right? Like, where's right. the emphasis right now? And where's the emphasis, you know, in your anticipated futures and all these kind of things. So I love that. And then the very next thing that came up was a very living, you know, sort of um, version of your description, which is a tree, right, that stands there rooted, grounded with these sort of extensions that, you know, don't neatly go out either side, right? Like how often have you seen a tree where there's one limb exactly opposite the other going off on 45-degree angles, right? I mean, in my recollection, never. So uh, it is just another beautiful manifestation of the nonlinear mechanistic simplification the, the issue is the linear mechanistic simplification and you're very gently, subtly, tangibly kind of just poking that <laughs> a little bit and sort of saying, no, no, no. Um, and then another thing that came up as, as particularly as you were talking about the, so the duality in the heart centers and the, and the connection with the gut in reference to learning, you know, is a, is a series of conversations I've had with, you know, one of our, um, sort of shared, um, I know she would hate the term, but I'm going to say mentors, right? Carol Sanford. Um, but, you know, I've really had a very, very um, different experience reading. And the experience is by design. You know, her currently, they might, by the time this conversation is broadcast, there might well be a new one, as pro- prolific as she is. But reading what is currently her latest work, indirect work, you know, the invitation in that book is not to read it, dog ear it, underscore little parts, and then go away and make your own extractive collection of notes, right? The experience is, the invitation is to experience how what she is conveying affects you physically and to sense into where certain elements show up in a heart, gut, Mm. you know, sort of grounded and, you know, intellectual, you know, head way, and then look at the the confluence and the convergence of those. So yeah, I'm sensing yeah a lot of uh, alignment and, and convergence with with this framework with some interesting things. And then when you talked about layering these frameworks and bringing them in, and this is yeah literally me sort of thinking out loud here. Um, I was sort of building then on my tree visualization, and I was thinking, well. Yeah, a simplistic way of, of, of sort of thinking about the full form of trees is, you know, sort of two inverted triangles with a sort of a, a beam in between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you have this one sort of web that sort of operates as a grounding framework that provides, you know, nutrition and nourishment and connection to other beings that enable connection to other trees, um, you know, these mycelium networks and lots of other hosted beings going on beneath the ground that we don't typically think about. Um, and then there's this other ecology up in the canopy and that is also very expansive and yeah, complex and involves lots of beings and, and, and communities of, of life going on. And then that one is much more dynamic and much more in flow and much more influenced by the energies that are abundant, the wind and the rain and, you know, the sunlight and so forth. And that the one can't exist without the other and they're codependent 
and then there's a multiplicity of codependence <laughs> with all of the beings in that one individual ecology and then all the individual ecologies that are linked together as a mass ecology in place. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of all made sense as you were describing this emergent framework potentially as a sort of a connective one for these other frames. Yeah, that, that visualization manifested quite quite strongly. So there you go. That's just what's come up for me. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. It's, it's it's really helpful to hear you share those reactions. And 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 there were a few things that I mean, I love that idea of the the, the that image of the um, connected triangles and that in, that inversion and playing that with that now in my head. I mean, that's that's really what this is in my mind, right? Is meant to do. There's nothing. Well, I was going to say there's nothing sacred. There's plenty that's sacred, but there's nothing necessarily sacred here in terms of you know. Uh, it's, 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 to me, it's meant to be played with and, and rift upon. And so, um, I love that. I love that. And that's, uh, what I'm looking forward to, to doing. Um, actually I was going to mention this to you that, uh, in June, I'll be traveling to the UK, uh, to, to offer a three-day course in energy systems practice at the Hawkwood Center in Stroud. And so this will be a, a perfect opportunity to, um, test drive a lot of these, these concepts uh, within the frame again of, of energy system practice. So coming back to the the quadrants and thinking about um, what are the different practices at the different levels of individual, group, and larger system that we might um, activate to ensure that there is this long term human thriving of some kind. And very much want to invite that spirit when we're together. Here's something. Go play. You know, and not necessarily make it better, but make it what works for you. And then there was something that you had mentioned just about uh, the energy centers that just made me realize that even just uh, some consciousness around this already showed up in my work today, where this morning um, a colleague and I were called in to attend to a situation uh, in a network that we're supporting that has a I mean, I won't give away too many details here in terms of confidentiality, but it's a it's a system change effort in a major American city, um, and it has as as its emphasis uh, to ensure that there is greater belonging and equitable well being in the system. And something happened, as is want to happen once things start to get serious. Uh, so after a year and a half of kind of blue sky and we're thinking about what we might do and things have started to happen and this started to hit the ground, there's reactivity in the system. What is this? Who do you think you are? <laughs> it's, 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 it's predictable. Um, very human, of course. And um, anyway, there was a flare up in a, in a conflict, which had then some pretty unfortunate, uh, well, it just felt very racist, frankly. Um, and in talking to the person who was the recipient of this unfortunate behavior, whether intended or not, we were unpacking it. And rather than jumping just immediately into, so what should we do about it? We talked about how did it feel? And this person shared how it felt for them. And then we talked for everybody else, how did it feel? to hear this story, to know that this was happening. And I, you know, and, and to feel meant, you know, how do I feel, but also what's going on in your body. Right. And, and, um, 
in, in, in part to sort of process in a fuller sense that's just not mental processing, but also to access knowing in those areas in terms of how we would want to proceed. And with that kind of activation of the heart, being able to, you know, stand up for oneself, right? But then also to embrace compassion and understand that somebody may be acting out of, you know, their shadow or, or ignorance, not stupidity, but just not knowing, right? Um, and therefore, let's approach with heart open, even as we're being strategic and not Pollyannish about behaviors in the system that can get ignited and make things much harder uh, while also mean really remaining grounded, not just in our individual bodies, but our collective bodies, like really talking about, we are here to link arms. This is not just about what happened to this person. This just happened to us. So what are we going to do about it? It's so easy then to default to like, this was a high schoolish, he said, she said, they said kind of thing. You've got to engage in conflict resolution. No, this is a sign of what's going on in the system. It's a fractal. Powerful when you can lift that up and um, make it accessible to more people. So I don't know if we'll introduce the framework per se, but we're definitely going to be leaning into those different ways of knowing and being. Yeah, thank you. And really grateful. I, I very much sense the aliveness of this experience. Um, I can see it. I don't know if people will be watching this, but um, yeah, I can I can see the aliveness of it in you. Um, and I can reflect on a <laughs> not dissimilar experience um, I had very recently. I won't go into detail here more than anything else out of the appreciation for our listeners' time. But yeah, like I had a conversation representing a group that are looking to activate systemic regenerative change in place where I am and been working towards you know, a, a deep conversation with one of the um, custodians of, of, of place here, First Peoples Elder. And the conversation didn't go as expected and was energetically very different. And there was a whole lot of gut and heart and mind and groundedness showing up for everybody in that session. And it was a, it was a, a real endeavor in, you know, sort of expressing that and, um, and, and, and recognizing sensations in, in, in each other and in ourselves and holding all of those and, and accepting what they were and that they were showing up with intention mm -hmm. amongst well-intentioned people. Mm -hmm. um, and that there's a, a lot of, sort of fusing of all of that you know, very active living system that can only come through relationship, right? Exactly as, as you said, right? So here, here's you know, me just sort of reflecting a little bit on um, these, these aligned experiences. Like here's, here's a node in the system now interrupting with a new node in the system for the first time in what may become a relational interaction. Um, and, you know, how many times do first meetings that become relationships go well? <laughs> right? And yet 
you know, some of our great relationships, you can look back at the first meeting and go, huh, <laughs> you're right. If that, if that, if that's a reflection of the amount of energy in the beginning, look at what that energy can sustain, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a longitudinal vector as, as when you think about the potential for a relationship. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, and what I also love about this anecdote, this, this was well, not an anecdote, it's a, it's a living example, um, is that it's a, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of hijack the conversation a little bit here. It could be an example, <laughs> which is a segue to this kind of question, which is, which is alive and on the table about how do you do this, right? Like we talk about frameworks, frameworks can be very abstract. Mm. We've been talking a lot about embodying them mm. and you've just described an example, a very, very real one of how you can be in practice with these frameworks, deciding in this instance to hold them implicit, you know, within, you know, the, the immediate dialogue, honoring that other things are needed. Um, so if I may, um, to restate the question and, and then, you know, sort of uh, hear some guidance from you, how, how would you suggest anyone that wishes to and has an intention to can go practice with these frameworks in their very real life? Yeah, and I, I, I love the question. I've, I've, I've appreciated being able to sit with the question, and I was just reminded of something that I, I say often but had forgotten, which is behind every framework is at least one really powerful question. And I think that uh, leaning into frameworks less as kind of a, a preaching, <laughs> uh, an excuse to preach or even teach, that is by you know, making declarative statements is, is, is inquiry is, is, is using these frameworks to ask just genuine and, uh, energizing, ideally energizing, uh, questions, questions that create movement in our mind and our bodies, uh, create, create possibility. So, you know, the, the results process relationship triangle, for example, I mean, really the headline question for that is how are we defining quote unquote success as we set out to, do this work together. So I'm, I'm working with a, an organic farming initiative in one of uh, the uh, states in my region, and they are creating a, 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 they're not calling it a strategic plan, but thinking about setting a strategic direction. And so I invited, you know, uh, considerations of, you know, when we complete this process of defining our strategic direction, what will success have look like for us as we look at where we are and where we've been and then specifically to say what 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 results will we have achieved what what in the realm of relationships do we want to point to who will we now be in relationship with what will be the quality of those relationships and and what do you want to say about the process and um it's interesting how the process question in particular got a lot of energy going because people said well we want this to be dynamic we want it to be fun. We want it to be energizing. We want it to be inclusive. We want it to be um, a source of surprise, potentially. Um, Love that, right? And you could see people getting um, excited about this to to even consider that question as opposed to what's the format of the plan, which we also did ask, or the format of the product, whatever it gets produced. Um, and also to think about, you know, this, this is not, as we do this direction setting, we're doing the direction setting. That is, 
we don't have to wait until the end of this period. As we're doing it, we, we are living into that future. And so rather than we set our direction and think about who we want to get into relationship with, do it now. Who do you want to go out and talk to? Who do you want to be in conversation with? About what? In what ways? Um, people are showing up in ways that feel, oh, I want to be a part of that. It doesn't feel burdensome. It feels like it could be a little life-giving as we, as we move through this. You know, to, doing the same with the connectivity alignment action um, framework and, and for groups that are intentionally um, strengthening uh, networks, you know, what is it that we that we want to lean into? Uh, you know, what where where could things be strengthened? Is it that level of of, of connection and and amongst whom? Is it uh, around alignment? And what specifically would be helpful to be aligned around? And if we are sort of coordinating to the extent we are, you know, truly working together to produce something, what is that thing? And 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 why is that of, of, of value? And, and in there are also questions about what are the core functions um, that we need to lean into? Is it, is it our weaving? Is it our facilitation? Is it our convening? Is it our coordinating? What are the, 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 the activities we can lean into? It, it, ongoing, right? And, 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 and so those domains of, of energy, system, science, the pillars, similarly, some, I think, just provocative questions. In fact, I've asked them in certain groups, right, where a lot of, you know, conversation now about system change. And I was part of a, a group that's creating a system change uh, academy for funders. And um, I, I, I can't remember what the conversation was about, but I sort of introduced this idea of, of flow, like what is flowing in the system currently? Um, what isn't, what isn't moving? Uh, to the extent that things are being exchanged, is it unidirectional, bidirectional? Um, what's what are the implications of all of that, right? So literally, nobody was talking about that flow or exchange. Really thinking about system chance in in, in, in much more sort of structural um, and uh, borderline mechanical ways. Um, and so, just introducing these questions about flow, it's like, oh. That's interesting. Long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> I will. I will reframe that. In my experience, a a, a rich and detailed <laughs> response to the question, uh, which uh, leads us potentially neatly uh, to the. I'm going to say final question, unless there's any questions that you're holding that uh, you'd like us to explore. Um, so you've mentioned the event in the UK in June. Um, and this will absolutely have been broadcast, you know, well before that. So, you know, people can, you know, follow, uh, you know, the, uh, links that will be included in the show notes below, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, etc. Um, so the explicit question, how can people best connect with you in order to, you know, sort of weave their journey with yours? Sure. Um, uh, LinkedIn is a great way to connect with me. Uh, I, I have a, practice of, of posting something that is of some value. Uh, that's the aspiration anyway, of some value to people out there through its um, lifting up, um, you know, what, what might not be getting lift, lifted up in other places, tapping into 
people's deeper sense of, of learning and liveliness um, and laughter and, dare I say, love, all those things. Uh, so find me there on LinkedIn. Um, you can also go to the website of the Interaction Institute for Social Change. Uh, and if you click on uh, the link to our blog, uh, you can find my mad rantings there in blog form. You can, uh, let's see, what would be the other ways? Well, I was going to mention Twitter, but we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at I, this I, point in time, yeah, that might be done by the time this goes out. Who knows? Let's just say I haven't, I haven't left, but uh, we don't know what the future holds there. And then certainly people can feel free to uh, email me directly uh, at my Interaction Institute uh, email, which we can put at the, the bottom here. Yeah, beautiful. I would absolutely encourage people to um, welcome you into their LinkedIn feed, as I have declared. I always very much look forward to, um, and I for one, and I can also say, you know, without their permission, but without mentioning names, on behalf of at least half a dozen others who also know and follow and receive value from your work, that, you know, as a very small, so perhaps non-representative sample uh, of your LinkedIn followers, we at least do definitely receive value from those posts. So please continue that practice. And the event in June, do you want to say anything explicitly about that? Or we can just link whatever, you know, sort of info and registration stuff there yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, I'll say right now, we're working, we're, we're working out the details, but the Hawkwood Center, which is in, in Stroud, I connected with them uh, the first year of the pandemic and uh, did a session for them online on energy, energy system science, which was meant to be sort of a multi-sensory uh, introduction to to this this transdisciplinary science and and seems was was well received and uh so then we've been in dialogue and i've been looking at an opportunity to both do something in person and then also of a a, a longer uh, length of time and so uh we are um, just solidifying dates likely around uh, june 19th through the 21st i think it is uh three days in person it would be the maiden voyage of uh you know, energy systems practice, at least in this form of, of exploration. And uh, it's meant to be um, very much an exploration for everyone, including the workshop leader, uh, really inviting people into these frameworks and practices and the, um, uh, the interdisciplinary science, which is still, you know, um, evolving and uh and the invitation is to make the, the road together and build the field together. Yeah, wow. Okay, well, that sounds amazing. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're in or anywhere near the UK, and I'm not going to say I know who you are because I don't, but I do know that people in the UK and Denmark and France and Belgium and Germany and Spain and there's a whole bunch of people in Barcelona Um which I think is largely down to Betsy Reed. So thank you, Betsy, and your community. Um, and Italy and Austria and Slovakia and I'm missing some, Croatia, right? Like we definitely have an audience that spans that region of Western Europe and sort of approaching, um, you know, sort of Mediterranean Europe. So if you're in any of those places and you can jump on a, of course, low emissions transport and uh, get yourself to stroud and join with curtis and create this co-create this field uh that would be amazing i postulate that i will not be there unfortunately um 
we currently do not have a low carbon, <laughs> well, carbon is just one of the many emissions, but a low emissions option for me to get there from Australia. But we'll see. Who knows? There is time between here and then, and maybe the stars will align. Um, and if not, I'll just have to extend the invitation to you to do it here. Or maybe in Hawaii, you know, somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> yeah, I would do Hawaii. Hawaii would work. Do Hawaii. All right, beautiful. Um, so I, I will rest my contribution to this um co-created endeavor here um and just invite you Curtis to you know sort of draw this uh into completion for today and however you wish to do so well thank you again for the opportunity and uh to do this over a stretch of time I I feel like that's been uh, a real gift to just uh be able to sit with and uh consider and just see how things continue to move as they always do I uh wow what would I say you know, I, I feel tempted uh, in some ways to quote uh, a mentor of mine who I never knew in person, though I feel like he's been uh, educating me as, a, as one of our ancestors, uh, the Reverend Howard Thurman, who uh, was one of these relatively quiet leaders of the civil rights movement in the United States, a uh, black man raised in the South who had this remarkable uh, holistic view on the world, um, who was able to you know, unify uh, his vision of work in both social and environmental fields, very, very connected to ecology. And then uh, as somebody who was uh, raised in the Christian church, um, ultimately went on to create a, a, a multi-racial uh, and uh, multi-faith church uh, was the first black chaplain at a major un uh, university in the United States at, at Boston University. And um, if you have a chance to pick up his book, uh, Meditations of the Heart, uh, I highly recommend it. When I was in divinity school, of, of all the amazing people and classes and materials that I was exposed to, I, I walked away with this quote of his at the top of my list, which is, uh, don't ask what the world needs. Don't just ask what the world needs. Ask what brings you alive and go do that. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. And it's just something I, I keep in my consciousness and continue to ask, you know, what does it mean to be alive that is not just in service of self, but in service of group, in service of these larger systems, in service of creation. So I... Um, very grateful for his teachings and uh, wisdom. Well, thank you to you both for that very meaningful completion. So keep on keeping on. Thank you for everything that you're doing and you. onwards. Yeah, indeed. Thanks so much. Okay, <laughs> there we go, right? That was an immersion, which I hope if you're listening to this part of it, you, know, you, you have gone all the way through, you've connected with the whole, the whole of that conversation and you're resting here now. If like me, you know, with half a dozen or so pages of notes and you know, you're already you know, sort of figuring out how to apply those four or some of those four frameworks in your own context. And just, just to, to note one thing particularly that's come up right at the end there, which is that that event that Curtis mentioned that when we recorded it, he was anticipating was going to happen in June is happening in October in the UK. 
So you still have a little bit of time to register for that. Um, and along with the registration link for that in-person event in the UK, Curtis has been very generous and supplied a plethora of links and ways to connect with him and his work more deeply. So if any or all of this is lighting up your world and you want to dive more into Curtis's, then do the scrolly down thing and, you know, <laughs> there's a lot that you can tumble your way into his particular rabbit hole around. Um, and look, I mean, I I really see the intersection and, and, and the correlation between these four frameworks. Um, and I think there's a lot to just kind of sit with. So having already taken up a couple of hours of your time, I'm not going to expand on my own experience here. What I am going to encourage you to do and invite you to do is watch the video that I've created. The YouTube link is there at time of broadcast. And, and I'm going to expand there on where these frameworks are showing up for me. So go check that out. And Curtis and I are working on a co-authored article to reflect on this conversation and expand a little bit more on these frameworks together. Now, that is a couple of months away. So please be patient. Connect with the LinkedIn community. The article will be shared first there. So that will be we be with you, um, hopefully, you know, sort of sometime around sort of August, September-ish, the furthest away, we hope. So I rest there for now. More coming soon. Two magical episodes with the same person on two frameworks that they were very much in the midst of co-creating when we had this conversation or these pair of conversations. So more frameworks coming soon. I hope this is all working for you. I hope it's helping. I hope it's emergent and alive. And I look forward to being back in your ears very, very soon. Be well, lead well, keep on frameworking. To close this conversation, an expression of gratitude. Firstly, a grateful acknowledgement to the first peoples of all lands, waters and skies upon which this conversation has been created. The conversation was hosted on Darawal country, audio edited on Gadigal country and produced on Boonwarrung country, all in Australia. And we gratefully acknowledge the contributions that continue from elders past, present and emerging to generating the fields of wisdom and potential that can sustain our better futures. I gratefully acknowledge the contributions from Brendan Ward as executive producer, original composer and track arranger, to Cooper and Pat from Radio Hub for audio editing and in-studio tech support, to Bonnie from Collator for original artwork and to Sybil at Atomic Tangerine for marketing guidance and to Norpita and Nicole at Knock Knock for digital hosting and above all else to you for your time, attention and advocacy. Thank you all. world.